0: These dangers head on with their international partners and all our other friends that are with us. And we appreciate your thoughts and prayers for all our service members who are carrying on this mission today. John, I'm now ready to take questions. Thank you, John. Marine Corps General Kenneth McK- McKenzie. Start with uh, Lita. Thank you. General McKenzie, uh, Lita Baldor with AP, thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. Um, can you give us your assessment of the ISIS threat going forward? What are you seeing on the ground now? Does this cut the evacuation short, do you believe? Um, and are people able to get onto uh, the airport now? And then finally, the president has warned that any attacks against the U.S. would be answered. Will this attack be answered militarily by the U.S.? Mm-hmm. A number of questions there, let me try to take them in order. So first of all, the threat from ISIS is extremely real. We've been talking about this for several days. We saw it actually manifest itself here in the last few hours with an actual attack. We believe it is their desire to continue those attacks, and we expect those attacks to continue. And we're doing everything we can to be prepared for those attacks. That includes reaching out to the Taliban, who are actually providing the outer security cord and around the airfield, to make sure they know what we expect them to do to protect us. And we will continue to coordinate with them as as they go forward. We are continuing to bring people onto the airfield. We just brought a number of buses of uh, uh, aboard the airfield over the last couple of three hours. So we continue to process. We'll continue to float people out. The plan is designed to operate while under stress and under attack. And we will continue to do that. We will coordinate very carefully to make sure that it's safe for American citizens to come to the airfield. If it's not, we'll tell them to hold, and then we'll, you know, we'll work other ways to try to get them to the airfield. But I think our mission remains. We're still committed uh, to flowing people out up until we terminate operations at some point you know, towards the end of the month. And, but I think we have the ability uh, actually to do all of those things as we go forward. Uh, let me just come back one moment. Uh, and You talked about uh, going after ISIS. Yes, if we can find who's associated with this, we will go after them. We've been clear all along that we're going to retain the right to operate against ISIS in Afghanistan. And we are working very hard right now to determine attribution, to determine who is associated with this cowardly attack, and we're prepared to take action against them 24-7. We are looking for them. General McKenzie is commander of U.S. Central Command. David. Uh, General David Barton with uh, CBS. 27 casualties is a terrible number, Um, 12 uh, dead. Could you explain the circumstances of these attacks, which resulted in such high casualties for the U.S.? Sure, sure, David. So, first of all, you will understand that we're still investigating the exact circumstances. But what I can say is this. The attack occurred at a gate. At a gate, we have to check people before they get onto the airfield. We have to ensure they're not carrying a bomb or any other kind of weapon that could ultimately make its way onto an aircraft. So that requires physical screening. You can't do that with standoff. You ultimately have to get very close to that person. So while the the, the air base itself is surrounded with T-walls, we're well bunkered in, we've done a variety of things to protect ourselves, at these interface points, these gates, where people actually come on the airfield, there's no substitute for a young young man or woman, a young United States man or woman, standing up there conducting a search uh, of that person before we let them on. Now, the Taliban have conducted searches before they get to that point, and sometimes those searches have been good and sometimes not. I will simply note that before this attack, we had passed 104,000 people through. So this, this attack is one too many, but we will, we'll evaluate what happened. We'll, we'll find ways to always get better. But the key thing is you don't want to let somebody on an airplane carrying a bomb because that could result in even massive loss of life, uh, if an airplane were to be destroyed. So you've got to do the searches. We work with our Afghan partners on the ground, the NSU elements to conduct those searches, but ultimately Americans have got to be in danger to do these searches. There's really, there's really no other way to do it. And, uh, again, I, I, I cannot tell you. How impressed I am with the daily heroism of the men and women that are out there doing this work. Typically, soldiers, sailors and, uh, and Marines that are doing that work and they're right up close to thousands of people that are flowing through the airfield. You've all seen the images and uh, to be able to get up and do it day after day is remarkable and this time, it looks like uh, somebody got close to us. We'll find out why. We'll try to improve our procedures. Uh, it is 12, 12, 12 service members dying. Nobody feels that more closely, uh, more directly than me and everyone else in the chain of command. And we recognize that we need to continue to evaluate our procedures as we go forward. Same time, there's a tension there. We have to continue to let people own the airfield, because that is why we are there. We're not there to defend ourselves. We're there to defend ourselves while we process American citizens first, but also the other categories of people that I've mentioned, get them to a place where we can fly them out into a safer, better future. So just to be clear, this, this, this suicide bomber was going through the gate being searched, checked by U.S. service members when he detonated his vest. david yeah, that—that's uh, that would be my working assumption. I know this—he did not get inside. He, he did not get on the installation. It was at the interface point where they try to come in where this attack occurred. And we just don't know more right now. We're gathering that information. As you will understand, we're investigating that. But right now, our focus really—we have other active threat streams, extremely active threat stream against the airfield. We want to make sure that we've taken the steps we need to take to protect ourselves there. Our focus is on that. Over the next few hours. Day or 2 We'll learn a lot more about what happened here, and I'm sure we'll be able to share that with you. Right now, our focus is actually going forward, ensuring that another attack of this nature does not occur, because, as you know, typically the pattern is multiple attacks. And we want to be prepared and be ready to defend against that. Courtney. Can you, uh, hey, General McKenzie. it's Courtney QB from NBC News. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the these extremely real additional threats from ISIS? Is it uh, a <clears throat> concern about more suicide attacks? Um, and, And also about some of the steps that you may be taking to mitigate future attacks. I mean, would it include putting U.S. troops or Marines outside the gates or outside of the airport for additional perimeter security? And then finally, with all of this, is there any discussion about sending any additional U.S. troops to Kabul airport for additional security measures? So let me actually answer the last part of your question first. We assess we have the the forces we need to protect ourselves there. I'm always in a constant dialogue with the Secretary. If I needed anything else, I'd be talking to him immediately. But I think we have what we need to protect ourselves. So let's talk a little bit about the threat strings. So very, very real threat strings, very, very uh, what we would call tactical. That means imminent, could occur at any moment. And they range from rocket attacks we know that they would like to lob a rocket in there if they could. Now we actually have pretty good protection against that. We have our uh, our anti-rocket and mortar system, the gun systems that those who've been out there are very familiar with, that are pretty effective against these kinds of attacks. We have well positioned around the boundary of the airfield, and we feel that we'd be we would be in good shape should that kind of attack occur. We also know they aim to get a suicide vehicle form suicide attack in if they can. From a small vehicle to a large vehicle, they're working all those options, and then we have just seen their ability to deliver a walk-in, a vest-wearing uh, suicide uh, suicide attacker. All of those things we look at. Now, the other thing we do is we share versions of this information with the Taliban, so that they can actually do some searching out there for us. And we believe that some attacks have been thwarted by them. Again, we've been doing this for a long. We've been doing this since the 14th. Uh, this is a this is an attack that's been carried out. We believe it's possible that others have been thwarted. We cut down the information we give the Taliban, they don't get the full range of information we have, but we give them enough to act in time and space to try to prevent these attacks. The other thing we try to do is we try to push out the boundary even further so that we don't get large crowds massing at the gate. Clearly, at at Abbey Gate today, we had a larger crowd there than we would like, which goes to show you that the system is not perfect. But we have gained large elements of standoff at other gates and we want to keep that kind of standoff in place. As you know, standoff for attacks like this is always the best defense. Unfortunately, we just don't have the opportunity, given the geography of the ground that we're on, to always gain that kind of standoff. So we take, let me close up your question by saying, we take the, the threat of these attacks very seriously. We're working them very hard. We, we're doing a variety of things. We got, uh, As you know, we have AH-64 attack helicopters on the ground uh, that we're flying to take a look. They have very good thermal and optical imaging systems we got aircraft overhead that uh, have also have very good imaging systems. We have unmanned aircraft, MQ-9s, that have the ability to look. All of these systems are being applied in defense of the airfield, all of them on a continual basis, all of them vectored by the intelligence that we receive, and that we and then we then also use the Taliban as a tool to protect us as much as possible. I'm going to go to the phone. Marine Corps General Kenneth McKenzie. He's the commander of U.S. Central Command. Then I get uh, Alex Horton, Marsden Post. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Good meeting. Uh, Agent, this is Alex Sorton with the Washington Post. Thanks for doing this. Uh, can you give us a sense of where you are in casualty notification for for these folks on the ground? Uh, you know, how long you expect it to take, given that it's a large number. Uh, and also, can you tell us a little bit about you know how the, the forces have reacted? You said that you in, introduced a little, probably more standoff at this point. But what are other measures you're taking to increase security uh, after the attack? I would, I would ask the authority to service the notification of, of, of uh, casualty. That's a point of and and I, I believe that process is ongoing, but I just, I do not have visibility on it. My visibility is fully forward against the day to day practical threat that we face in the theater, but there are other people who can probably then answer, answer that question for you. I'm just, I'm just not that person, Alex. So in terms of practical things that we're doing, okay, uh, again, we've reached out to the Taliban. We've told them you, you need to continue to push out the security perimeter. We've identified some roads that we would like for them to close. They've identified that they'll they will be willing to close those roads because we assess the threat of a suicide-borne vehicle threat is high right now. So we want to reduce the possibility of one of those vehicles getting close. And so we're actually moving very aggressively to do that. We talked a little bit about the the over the uh, overwatch that we have in place, but I'll review it again. We have our unmanned aircraft, our MQ9s, and other unmanned drone systems that have very good optical and other means of looking down so we we look at what's happening around the gate we try to identify patterns and we got highly trained people that take a look at that we also have our aircraft that we fly locally The AH AH-64s that I mentioned a few moments ago, as well as other manned aircraft that come off the USS, uh, off the carrier that we have off the Mokran coast, as well as US Air Force aircraft uh, that we bring up from out of, from out of Afghanistan. Everything ranging from F-15s to AC-130 gunships. And as you know, the AC-130 gunship has a very highly capable targeting system, and it's also a very visible platform. And we know, we know from long experience, a visible demonstration of these kinds of ISR tends to dissuade the attacker because they, they know that if we can see them do it, we're going to strike them immediately. So we'll be prepared to do that should it become necessary to, to defend the base. We're looking very hard. We assess we are in a period of heightened warning right now, and we're working through that as, uh, as aggressively as we can. Over. Uh Gordon. General uh, Gordon and Wall Street Journal. Uh, can you tell us if you think that your recommendation for staying potentially after August 31st would change because of this threat stream? Uh, or are you concerned about the threat stream? Um, and also, you know, the U.S. military and the Taliban have been coordinating very closely uh, on various things. Do you still trust the Taliban and is it possible that they let this happen? So as to whether or not they let it happen, I don't know. I don't think there's anything to, anything to convince me that they let it happen. As to whether or not I trust them, that's a, that's not necessarily a, that's a word I use very carefully. You've heard me say before, it's not what they say, it's what they do. They have a practical reason for wanting us to get out of here by the 31st of August. And that's that they want to reclaim, they want to reclaim the airfield. Uh, We, we want to get out by that day too, if it's going to be possible to do so. So we share a common purpose. To the as, as long as we've kept that common pur- purpose uh, aligned they've been they've been uh, useful to work with they've cut some of our security mitigates some of our security concerns down and they've been useful to work with going forward now long term I don't know what that's going to be I will tell you this anytime you build a non-combatant evacuation plan like this and you bring in forces you expect to be attacked so we expect we we didn't we we thought this would happen sooner or later. It's tragic that it happened today. It's tragic there was this much loss of life. We are prepared to continue the mission. I've had an op- a great opportunity to have dialogue with my chain of command on it, and I'm not going to be able to share with you what my advice has been, as as you know and understand, Gordon. But I think we can continue to conduct our mission even while uh, we're receiving attacks like this. Over. Okay. I Schmidt with the New York Times even before today's attack. Uh, you were just four days or so from us, uh, from, from leaving. Uh, how soon will you have to start diminishing the evacuation flights, if indeed those can continue, uh, to make space and time, uh, for the military retrograde, that is the withdrawal of the remaining troops there and their equipment? So Eric, without getting into specifics, I would tell you that the plan is designed to maximize throughput of evacuees even as we begin to prepare to draw down the force on the ground. So we recognize there's a need to balance the two. So we're not going to get to a point where suddenly we turn off the spigot. It will draw down as we get closer to the end date. It's not useful for me to share that uh, that date with you right now when we will begin to draw down those flights, but uh, but we will do it at some point. At the same time, I want to emphasize again, the plan is designed to maximize uh, pushing people out, even as we reconfigure the force, continue to defend ourselves, and get ready to bring out our own equipment and ultimately our own military personnel. And, General, if I could just follow up follow up on that, will you have to also develop alternative routes beyond those that you already have to get the remaining Americans in Kabul who want to leave safely to the airport? So I would tell you that we have worked over the last week, uh, we have brought in hundreds of Americans by working alternate routes to get them in, by establishing contact with them, by directing them down a, a, a steady different ways to get to the airport our task force our jsoc element does that on the ground very effectively in coordination with uh with admiral faisley who's the overall commander there so we continue to do that that's not something that we're beginning now we've done that all along and we will continue to do that up up until the last moment jennifer Um, mckenzie jennifer griffin fox news Can you say, was there one or two suicide bombers at the Abbey Gate, and can you say for certain that it was a male bomber, and can you give us any more details about the second explosion that occurred at Barron Hotel? Was that a V-Bid, was that a car bomb, or was that also a suicide bomber? Um, finally, the, there are State Department employees who are side by side with U.S. Marines at that gate. Were there any other U.S. citizens killed in the attack and why were the Marines so close together that so many were killed in one one strike? So we think one suicide bomb at Abbey Gate, uh, don't know if it was male or female, just don't have that information. Uh, uh, don't uh, don't know much about the second bomb except one went off in the vicinity of the Baron Hotel, which is you're aware is a deeply bunkered structure. And as far as I know, no there were no UK military casualties as a result of that. There may have been Afghan casualties, and I'm sure there were Afghan casualties. But it will take us a little bit of time to actually learn how many Afghans came casualties while we took some of them on board the installation. Many of them were taken to hospitals out in town. So I'm what I see is what I what I get on open source reporting uh, about the nature of those casualties. But we're, we're 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 trying to gather more information about it. So the last point, uh, I would tell you, I don't know that I don't know the size of the bomb, and the size of the bomb is directly related to how many people are are, are going to be affected by the blast radius of the weapon. I, I and so I we're going to investigate that. I, as I've noted before you're at the interface point there at these gates. Somebody's actually got to look someone else in the eyes and decide that they're ready to come in. And so we'll find out wh- exactly what happened Be- beyond that. I would not want to speculate at this time, Jennifer. Thank you. Any other American citizens from the State Department who were killed? None that I am aware of now. Okay. General Kenneth McKenzie, U.S. Central Command. Go back to the phones. Uh, Laura Sullivan. Hi, General, thanks so much for doing this. A couple questions. First of all, can you tell me, um, we've heard reports of a third and possibly a fourth attack in Kabul today. Can you confirm those? And then also, can you tell us, how exactly are you still conducting these evacuation flights? Are you concerned about manpads and other threats to the aircraft? Well, of other attacks in Kabul, but we have not been able to run that information down. Uh, so we, we, we see it, we, you know, we get open source reporting on it, but I, I can't confirm that there have been other attacks in Kabul away from a today. We continue to take a look at that very hard. I will tell you this, the safety of our aircraft coming in and out is of paramount importance because obviously you have the opportunity there to, for 450 or more people to die if you have a significant mishap with the aircraft. We, we know that uh, ISIS would like to get after those aircraft if, if, if they can. We don't know that they, we don't believe they have a man pad capable of doing it. Uh, they have taken shots at our aircraft on occasion without effect. We think that's going to continue. Uh, and we will, but as you know, military aircraft have a variety of self-defense systems. What's more vulnerable actually are the charter aircraft and other aircraft that are coming in that do not have those, do not have those systems. So we, with our ISR, we look very carefully at the approach. Uh, pattern and the departure pattern off that runway to see what we, you know, to see if we see any sign of something that might pose a threat to aircraft. That's one of the things that we look at religiously uh, at, throughout the day and throughout the night as we conduct as we conduct operations. Because really, the aircraft—the only way we're going to get people out of there. So we are keenly sensitive, threats to our aircraft. Okay, we're going to take and one if more I question. Could just, uh, if if I am sorry, guys, guys. We got to keep moving. We're going to take one more question and then give the general a chance uh, to close out. Idris? Sure, general. Uh, I know it's early. But at this moment in time, how do you believe the suicide bombers made it through several checkpoints, whether it was Taliban or Afghan forces, to the Marines? Do you believe it was a failure or they were able to somehow evade them and make it to the Marines? Well, clearly, if if they were able to get up to the Marines at the the screening, at the the entry point of the base, there's a failure somewhere. It was a failure by, you know, Taliban operate with varying degrees of confidence. Some of those guys are very scrupulously good. Some of them are not. I just don't know the answer to that question, um, and, but we will. You, you can be assured we're going to continue to take a look at it and try to make all our uh, all our practices better as we go forward. Okay, General General Sir, uh, we're going to let the General. We're going to let the General close out. General Sir, for any closing thoughts you might have, Sir. Hey John, thanks again. I would just like to say today's a hard day, uh, but I, I. But I. I the thing I, I come back to is the remarkable professionalism that the force on the ground is showing. Uh, as I've noted before, ultimately, at these screening points in particular, you've got to get very up close and personal to the people that you're bringing out. There's no way to do that safely from a distance. And we should all just bear in mind that, that we've been doing it for well over a week. We've brought 104,000 people out. That's a tremendous number of contacts that every individual Marine, soldier, or sailor has had to have as we bring people aboard the airfield. Uh, It's a very heavy heart, you know, that we that I that I do this uh, conversation with you today. Nobody feels it more than me or the other members of the chain of command. We'll do everything we can to improve our practices there to to make sure it's as safe as possible for our for our folks on the ground that are doing this dirty, dangerous work. John, thanks very much. Thank you, General. Thank you all. Appreciate it. General Kenneth McKenzie, commander of U.S. Central Command. John, will you take a couple questions? No, that's going to be it. General McKenzie, joined by John Kirby, Pentagon spokesman. Here's how that briefing began. Uh, The general will have some brief opening remarks. He'll obviously address the events in Kabul today, as well as the evacuation. And in the vicinity of the Barron Hotel, which is immediately adjacent. The attack on the Abbey Gate was followed by a number of ISIS gunmen who opened fire on civilians and military forces. At this time, we know that 12 U.S. service members have been killed in the attack, and 15 more service members have been injured. A number of Afghan civilians were also killed and injured in the attack. We're treating some of them aboard HKIA. Many other Afghan civilians have been taken out to hospitals in town. We're still working to calculate the total losses. We just don't know uh, what that is right now. Their loss weighs heavily on us all, and I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through my prepared remarks. We continue to focus on the protection of our forces and the evacuees as the evacuation continues. Let me be clear. While we're saddened by the loss of life, both US and Afghan, we're continuing to execute the mission. Our mission is to evacuate US citizens, third country nationals, special immigrant visa holders, US embassy staff, and Afghans at risk. Despite this attack, we are